This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street car tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my brilliant co-host, Brie Tucker. Hello, everybody. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to make you laugh. I was unsuccessful. (sighs) But I'm also fiddling over here with my mic, so Yeah, I'm like, I'm having a hard time laughing because (laughs) we were just discussing, and here's some TMI for you. Period pain, back pain. Oh my gosh, it's it's the worst. Oh, yeah. And like just and mine was, you know, the past year of being over 40, like the changes in my body, like, (laughs) ah, and we're sitting here going, what is stress? And what is just life sucks? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's hard because like, so Brie and I were also talking about how different people deal with stress and how a lot of people don't talk about how they deal with stress. So that leaves a lot of us who are totally stressed out and losing hair, thinking that we're the only ones. <laughs> uh, like it I does. love the losing hair thing. Losing that, 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 that's a true struggle. It's I've a been true losing struggle. Hair thing, yeah. Give us an amen out there in podcast world if you have had that stress of like hair losing hair. Out. Yeah, you're losing <laughs> hair. You can't sleep well. Like yeah. your your eating habits are all messed up. Either you're not hungry or you want to eat like the entire refrigerator. I like eating my feelings. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Sometimes I open the refrigerator. I'm like, it's eating feelings time. <laughs> what do I have in here that's going to fill this hole at the moment? <laughs> it's so like you have to laugh else you'll cry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. We work our way through it. We can't have tantrums like our little kids. <gasps> we, well, we can, but we can. they look different. They look different. That's actually how, like, I I think back and I'm like, that is how I learned how to deal with my feelings is to eat them, which is horrible, like, to say out loud. But I'm sure if if you have the same thing, like, if you are a person who deals with feelings by eating, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, feelings are hard. And if we don't have uh, ways that we can express them or deal with them openly, we will go to other means of dealing with them. Right. And then you look at all the different coping mechanisms. Obviously, there's healthy ones but and, and unhealthy ones. And you're just trying to stick with the good ones. Yep. So, But a question that we get a lot from parents is what exactly is a normal tantrum? Right. What is a normal expression of feelings in kids? So we are going to talk about that today. We're going to give you some tips. We're going to talk about some causes of tantrums. And then most importantly, we're going to talk about what to do about tantrums. Yes. We're going to show you some tips on how to kind of work through those and help them get a little bit less. Yes, definitely. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay, so tantrums. I'm about ready to throw my own tantrum right now. I'm about like the stinking color wheel of death, people. (laughs) I like that you call it the color wheel of death now. Yeah, you now. (laughs) Like, okay, so I never had apples stuff until this year, and then, and I have to admit, I had begrudgingly. (laughs) It is a little bit easier, whatever. But right now, I'm like, I want to throw my own temper tantrum. I want to stop my feet and and roll around on the floor and cry because my computer has had that stupid color wheel of death, and it's not going anywhere, and it's driving me bonkers. I totally understand that. (laughs) I totally understand it. And tantrums are something like I feel we still have that urge as adults, but I also feel like we we know how to regulate our emotions better than our kids. Hopefully we do. I don't see too many adults pulling those tantrums that we used to see when our kids were little. Sometimes we do. However, as adults, we've also learned these unhealthy coping mechanisms. Like we're talking about like the eating your feelings. Um, Alcohol could be an unhealthy coping mechanism. Avoidance. Avoidance. The the whole head in the sand technique. Yes. Yeah. So I want to start this out by saying like tantrums. At least they're not avoiding it or swallowing up their feelings. <laughs> that is going to be the positive. I love you finding the silver lining on this. Like, hey, silver lining. your kid may be screaming and crying over the fact that things, I don't know. I, I, I'm totally blanking on some of these tantrums. What was some, let's have a glimpse. Do you remember any epic tantrums of your kids? Yeah, I believe my son gave me a ton of epic tantrums to choose from. Um, I remember like one and a half. We went into Target and he just refused to move. And like it was at that stage where he was getting a little too heavy for me to carry. Mm -hmm. Like he needed to walk and he just laid face down on that Target floor right by the shopping carts, refusing to move because he did not want to go shopping at Target at that moment. That's like a bonus tantrum because not only do you have the fact that it's a tantrum, Mm -hmm. but they did it. And then like if you had to add points, like he gets points for (laughs) tantrum points. He gets points for throwing himself down on the floor. He gets points for it being in public and he gets points for it being at the entrance. So everybody saw the tantrum has to interact with the tantrum, either see it or walk around you to get around the tantrum. Yeah. And being, (laughs) being in kind of the mindset I am though, like I know tantrums are completely normal. They're a normal thing. All kids go through it. There Mm -hmm. is no shame if your child is having a tantrum. Right. So I I just stood there and I waited him out and I didn't even care if anyone was looking at me because I'm like, I'm, I'm handling this the way that I know how and doing the best I can. Right. I'm doing the best I can. I think that's a really good 
point. Like a lot of us have have a lot of concerns and fears about tantrums. And the truth be told, like when it comes to tantrums, the biggest thing about them is that they are if we if we strip away all of our own personal emotions about them mm-hmm. as parents and what we think it it reflects upon us as a parent, like in our parenting. The worst that they really are is just an inconvenience. They are. They stop us from what we wanted to be doing. Well, and then like our inner monologue starts going and yeah. being like, oh my gosh, what if my child has a problem? What if this is something that needs to be looked at by the pediatrician? What if this is a sign of something larger? And I think like all of those fear scenarios go through our head, making it even harder to deal with the tantrums. Right. Because then your emotional settings are going off as well. And it's just, it's, it's a rough thing. So first of all, we just want to tell you tantrums are normal. They're totally normal. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast about Dr. Tina Payne Bryson's work and Dan Siegel where it's the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. And basically the downstairs brain is all reptile and savage and it's all where the emotions are kept. And then the upstairs brain is that prefrontal cortex area, which is responsible for decision making and it's responsible for impulse control. But when kids get into that tantrum state, they do something where they flip their lid. That upstairs brain and that downstairs brain stop communicating with each other and they lose complete emotional control. That's the crying on the floor. That's the screaming. That's the yelling. That's maybe the throwing stuff at first. Mm -hmm. Like these are all pretty typical signs of a tantrum. So let's dive into this a little bit more because I love this. Like every episode we have, Joanne has this wonderful outline that helps us stay focused because I'm what you call a shiny object syndrome person. And I'll be like, oh, look at that shiny thing right there. I am too. That's why I need my outline. And when we're recording our podcast, we're right in front of this beautiful, huge window in the second story so we can look out at everything that's out there. And I constantly like, car, car, what? Squirrel. (laughs) So back to the checklist, like our outline. Let's talk about the differences between tantrums because that's a huge factor in what's a normal tantrum, quote unquote, and what is a a not normal tantrum. Because many parents will look at their kids and be like, oh, they're doing this on purpose. They're totally doing this on purpose to get their way. And usually if you're talking about a young child, like preschool age or before preschool or even early elementary, I can assure you that it's not being done on purpose. It's going to be one of those situations where they just don't have the capacity to control their emotions yet right? and regulate their emotions. So the most that you could possibly say that it's deliberate or on purpose is that this is their way of expressing their emotions because of their developmental state. Yes, they're that's, so that's the most. Yeah, that's the most deliberate it is. It's yeah. not, ooh, I'm going to keep mom from getting her shopping done right now. Yeah. It's not, ooh, if I do this, I'm going to totally get my way. It's I have strong emotions and I do not know how to appropriately express them. Right. So I'm going to throw a raging tantrum that is going to make everyone look at us in the store. And those are involuntary. (laughs) They're involuntary. They're involuntary. And they are probably the hardest ones, I think. They're hard because you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't give in because that means they'll get their way. Well, everybody has their opinion on how to deal with them. Yeah. And usually like the not giving in thing, um, I always say like, it's okay to negotiate with a tantrum with a kid Because really, like you're not negotiating so far as like you're giving up your control, but you are really trying to figure out what your kid wants, what your kid needs, and working out a compromise. We'll be right back after a quick break. 
Hey all, it is Joanne. And Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. So so there is a difference though. Like I like what you were saying there when you say about negotiating because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people run to that whole, I don't negotiate with how they're terrorists. Yes. And it's, and it's like, yes, I love that, by the way. Shout out to whoever came up with that, the whole toddler terrorist thing. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and it's and it's true. Like you're not saying like because they're 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 on the floor crying because they wanted to buy that new toy. That's not saying buy the toy. Exactly. No. That's <laughs> not what she's saying right now. We're no. talking about like getting them the words and the tools that they need to be able to express. So that's where that negotiation comes that's in. That's where right? the negotiation comes in. And it's acknowledging those strong feelings like, oh, you really want that toy. You want it so bad. And telling them that you want understand that. Right. And then I love our phrase that we got, you know, when we reflect back on our positive discipline background, Mm -hmm. I love you. And and the answer is no. And no. I love you. And no. 
And these tantrums, the involuntary ones, where it's a means of them like not being able to communicate what they're feeling inside, these are different than the ones that older kids throw. Yeah. Where older kids, maybe they've realized that tantrums have got them what they wanted in the past and they do that. Maybe it's a situation where you're at Disneyland, you walk by a store and your eight-year-old just sits down on the ground because you will not go in and buy her something that she really, really wants. And, you know, and these are the ones that I feel like you see more once they are about school age and up. Mm -hmm. So like you said about eight, like I see these are deliberate tantrums where they are doing it because it's a tactic that has worked in the past and they've come to that realization. Mm -hmm. These tend to kind of come in around five and up. Yeah. I feel like for the most part, there are some exceptions where you have kids that are still having the involuntary ones at five. But for the most part, by five, they've kind of figured out how things can kind of work with you. And I think that as a parent, you take the same strategy, you use the same strategy dealing with both. Right. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's deliberate or involuntary. You can use the exact same strategy that we're going to go over. You just get to use more complicated vocabulary. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> more it. reasoning. That's it. So some causes of tantrum, something that are really, really great to look out for as soon as your child has a tantrum is the HALT acronym, which we love using here. I love it. And HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. If you stop and look at, like, just take a moment with us as a parent reflect back on the most recent tantrum your child had. Chances are good that it was caused by somebody being hangry. Oh my gosh. That's what happens all the time in our house. It's always hangry tantrums. Oh yeah. And it's funny. I get hangry and my daughter gets hangry. And it's funny because she's 12 and she identifies now as hangry. So she knows like before we go somewhere, she'll always be like, am I got a snack with them? Because I'm going to need something. I'm going to need something. Yeah. We've taught taught our son too to always like pack snacks or find snacks. And the phrase that it doesn't have to be interesting. It just needs to be food because that is something they will get into. They will be like, nothing looks good good and I don't like that granola bar right now and you're like doesn't have to be interesting it just has to be food we just need to pipe up that blood sugar man that's all we gotta get you need something (laughs) so if your child gets hangry just look for food being the the first option right and it's always like you want to give them a little bit of protein too I want to say because you don't want to feed them sugar because that's just going to exacerbate the problem they are going to crash so like peanut butter is really good eggs are good we have a lot of like individual snacks still in our household because again my kids are 12 and 13 but we still have those with us so like I have peanut butter we have cracker packs. Mm-hmm. We have protein bars. We have Nutrigrain bars. Like yeah. we we have a lot of like stuff that they can grab and take with them just in case they need it. And then I, of course, always have one in my purse because, again, I know hunger is something that can creep up on me mm-hmm. and get me crabby real quick. So, yeah. 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 Hunger. Hunger just takes our family down all the time. More so my husband and my son than my daughter and me. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I, I look over at my husband. He's unnecessarily quiet and I'll just be like, you're hungry? He'll be like, yep. And I'm yep. like, got it. <laughs> we don't need to talk right now. Isn't it <laughs> great when you get to that point where you guys know each other's tales or you are at least that self-aware or your kids are that self-aware that they can, they can be like, yep, I need some food. Yep. I yep. can't talk. I will say stuff I regret. No. Yeah. And, and when it does right come to the ha- um, the hangry or the hunger, angry tantrums with my kids too, and with myself, mm-hmm. it's not my normal routine. It's yeah. like we had to go do something that was out of our normal routine. Like we had to go do like major shopping for the day. So we were gone for a long time where we were at, you know, an amusement park or we went hiking, like something that, that took us out of our normal routine. Mm-hmm. And that's where that hunger kind of creeps in. So yeah, amusement parks are ripe for breakdowns. Oh, like, I know. <laughs> well, that's why they have the, the like $10 like kids' 
meal. Oh my god! That has like two chicken strips and like three French fries because they know they can get you. We had a family vacation to Disney World once, and my husband, he's normally not a fan of amusement parks. His experience with amusement parks before was his dad would like rush him to all the attractions and feared that they would miss out on just one because it was an expensive theme park ticket. And so he always like pushed back against them. So when we were at Disney, he was just sitting there and watching, and he's like, this is very interesting people watching about how <laughs> how like different people react to tantrums. And I bet. So some red flags to look for, because if you're seeing this kind of stuff, then that's a sign that, you know, you should probably talk with a pediatrician or some professional that you trust and how to get some additional guidance on it. Right. Because these things we're going to talk about right now are, are the indicators that the tantrum is a little bit outside of the norm. Yeah. So like red flags would be like hurts themselves or others repeatedly. So this is like a case where like maybe when your child gets upset, they are repeatedly banging their heads against the wall or the floor, mm-hmm. intentionally trying to hurt themselves or hitting their head with their own body parts, like their hand, for excessively long periods of time, like over a minute. Yeah. And and just getting harder and harder while hitting or hurting others on a consistent basis. On a consistent basis. If it happens like once or twice, that happens. Like biting. Oh my gosh. Biting around the toddler stage. Yeah. That's 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 a pretty normal thing. We're looking for the reaction (laughs) to see what happens. Yes. Yeah. So if they're hurting themselves or others consistently when they're having their tantrums, that's Mm. that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it goes on for more than 30 minutes. So, you know, that's a hard one, I feel like, to tell parents. Because when you're in a tantrum, one minute feels like five minutes. Mm -hmm. So if you have a concern that your child has long tantrums, try your best to either, like if you've got one of those handy dandy little like full type watches, like set a timer timer. or just look at the time and then go on with your normal whatever you do to Mm -hmm. handle the tantrum. And And we're going to give you some strategies. Yes. And to see if you can get it to decrease. But if they consistently are going on for 30 minutes or more, that's not a typical tantrum. No, it's Mm -hmm. not a typical tantrum. And just to give kind of an out there example, it going on for 30 minutes, it could be like a thing where maybe it's a neuro atypical behavior, which means it's, it's something to be brought up with your pediatrician if it happens repeatedly. But it could also be that something else is going on that you're not sure of. So like, for instance, my sister was known for throwing tantrums like all the time. My parents were beside themselves on what to do with her tantrums. And she was doing this when she was five and six. And one time she was at her friend's house and they were playing on their slide and she fell and she hurt her arm and she was crying. And my da- dad was like, oh, she's throwing a tantrum. Like it's not that bad. The arm's not that bad. And I just remember her crying, just screaming in her room. And my dad's like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Until finally, like 30 minutes passed, an hour passed. And he's like, okay. She's still screaming. There's something going on. She had broken her arm. My dad felt awful. He felt awful. And he still tells how awful he feels about that. But it's just to show you that like, if it does go on that long, there's there's something else going on right. to be aware of. That's an extreme case. It, yeah. it is an extreme case. I feel so bad for your dad. My heart is breaking right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Aww. He felt so bad. We he try our so best. Bad. We try our best. But my sister, she will attest to this. Like she is not the most easygoing kid and she did throw those huge tantrums that were under her control at the time when she was six most definitely so yeah that's extreme case but just to look for other things that may be going on so number three well what's another red flag for number three it uh, can't be redirected. Right. So that's like one where you are, you've got your techniques, you're talking to your child, you're trying to move them on either by talking about emotions and recognizing what's going on, 
Or you've got a case where you're like, okay, we have to, I call them transitions. We have to transition from the park to the car. And they absolutely, under no circumstances, can be redirected. And then that rolls into the tantrum lasting for more than 30 minutes. Yeah. So if you consistently have consistently, an issue. Consistently. I would say like more than three or four times per week for like a month. Right. Cannot get cannot them redirected. Cannot get them out of the tantrum and to move on. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. That's something to discuss with a pediatrician. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And then also happens due to environment, like light, sounds, Mm -hmm. transition to other activities that can indicate something with maybe they're a little more um, attuned to their senses or have heightened senses than other people might. And it's just something to be aware of. And again, talk with a pediatrician. Those are the times that you're going to just, we're not saying that there is something definitely wrong going on, but we're saying that these are definitely indicators that could mean that it's more than a typical tantrum and that you might need some additional intervention or resources to work with this with your child. And remember, these things do happen happen like I mean once in a while to all kids yeah so we're talking about a consistent basis I feel like we repeated that one a lot but it does it makes the difference it's the right. consistent basis that these things happen on so now that they know what the red flags are and we've talked about the different types of tantrums what are we supposed to do <laughs> so we talked about one of the strategies feed them if it's a hungry thing feed them wait 20 minutes and see how rational they become <laughs> Okay, I have to say like that's funny because talking again about the whole feeding thing, I remember my kids when they were really little, they weren't in daycare. They were with my mom. I was fortunate enough to be able to have that happen. But there was a short period of time there where where I worked at, we had a childcare and I needed to bring my kids in there for, I don't know, like a week. Something was going on with our family. I, f- I forget what exactly. And when I brought my son in, he was probably 15 months old or so. And when I brought him into the nursery there, I was like, okay, I just want you guys to know if he starts crying and you can't you know, it doesn't need to be changed, whatever, uh, feed him. And they were like, okay. And I'm like, no, I mean, like, even if you just fed him, feed him again. Mm-hmm. He's a hungry kid. 
Yeah. That, that 90% of the time that takes care of the, of what's going on. And if he's continuously crying, I'm across the hallway here. Just knock on my door and I will come on over. Yeah. And it was funny. They were like, okay, whatever. And I think the person, because I worked with that department somewhat, they knew me. They even rolled their eyes and were like, okay. Oh. And then like when I came to pick him up at the end of the day, one of the workers was like, yeah, Bree, we had no idea. Like he would not stop fussing. And we had just fed him. Give him another bottle. Totally fine. I'm totally like, fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was just a hungry kid. Yeah. He's a chomper. (laughs) So yeah, speed that. The second thing, if it is an angry thing or a lonely thing, connect. And there's some ways to connect with them. I used to use this with my son all the time. It came from the book, Happy's Toddler on the Block by Dr. Harvey Karp. And it's getting down to the kid's level and then first acknowledging their emotions. But you acknowledge their emotions in something he calls toddler ease. Yes, I love his toddler ease. (laughs) It's short and it's filled with emotion. So instead of like if Brie was mad right now and a toddler and I would say to her, oh, you're really mad right now. Nope. She wouldn't get that as a toddler. She has no idea what that means. But if I would go down to her eye level and say, mad, so mad. And then he kind of stares at you for a second. They're like, oh, wait. Oh, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. Using those really just short, short little phrases, making sure that they can know the emotion that you're talking about based on the tone of your voice. So I just love Dr. Harvey Carp. He has some amazing, amazing techniques. So if you haven't checked him out, we'll have a link here in the show notes for that one. For something sure. else he talks about is fast food speak. Yes. What do they do when they when you order something in a drive-thru? They just repeat it back to they you. They repeat it. Yes. So you're going to repeat back what your child says to you. Yes. And what that does is it, it helps them calm down a little bit because they're not feeling alone and overwhelmed with their emotions. All of a sudden, there's another adult here who gets it and mm-hmm. they start to feel calmer and they feel less in that panicky state. And then you will see a change in your child as soon as this happens. They'll You'll see them like they'll soften their facial features they'll relax their body it'll be such like a slight shift but watch them and you'll notice it and that's when you can suggest doing something like are you hungry maybe some food like especially if you're talking to a five or six year old be like do you want to calm down do you want to cuddle? Mm-hmm. Offering those kind of solutions to right. help them feel better. You're talking them through the solution if there is one, because a lot of times there is some kind of a solution. It just may not be the solution that, you know, you know that your toddler had wanted. Like mm-hmm. when they want to go outside and it's pouring rain in a thunderstorm, you know, they can't go outside in a thunderstorm. So your answer is still going to be no, but you'll come up with a solution. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to say about this one too, but actually about all of these with connecting and feeding them is that we're talking about them here on the podcast. I think you can just tell that we're referring to them in a way that you're dealing with a toddler or a preschooler, mm-hmm. but they work with older kids they too. They totally work with older kids You just up too. your vocabulary. Yeah. And the way you're doing it. Instead of two words in a sentence, you can go to four. You can yeah. go to five. You can just repeat back. Something that you. I would caution you against though is that adults tend to go on Charlie Brown. Like they will give really, really long explanations when kids are upset. Yeah, that's, I have to check myself a lot on that because I'll just keep going and going and going, waiting for that reciprocal from my child. Yeah. And sometimes they don't have it yet. They're processing themselves. So then it starts turning into that white noise. Like, you know, so I know that's me a lot. I have to, I have to like pinch myself to stop. Stop talking. I I have to (laughs) too. And I have to make sure like it's really short and I have to stop myself from trying to fill in the silence because you could be like, you're really mad. And then your kid won't say anything. And your first inclination would be like to explain why they're really mad. Right. But don't. I have to stop myself on this one too. I like just stop and I wait and I start counting in my head. And pretty soon, like my kid will tell me, 
why they're mad or if I even got it right. And sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll come back with a totally different topic. And you know what that means? That they're okay to move on at that moment. Doesn't mean that it's all said and done, but it does mean that I don't want to dwell on this anymore right now. I need time. Yep. So hungry, angry, lonely. We give you strategies for those. Tired. If you suspect the tantrums are because of tiredness, the best thing to do is to check their sleep schedule. Whether they need naps, maybe they need to go down earlier. I know with my kids, we would have to always tell like when they went to go to grandparents' houses, we're like, okay, now when they're really tired, they're going to act like it's the biggest party in the world and they're having so much fun and they're laughing and they get really energetic. That's the sign. It's bedtime. And it's totally like contrary to what you think the bedtime sign would be. And isn't it funny that you have to remind the grandparents of that a lot? Yeah. It's almost like, I I think it's like that thought process. We were just talking with Jessica Lee this Mm -hmm. morning and she was talking about how sometimes you forget the difficult things. Yeah. And we talk about that with childbirth. Like you sometimes forget about all the pain of childbirth, the the degree of it so that you want to have more kids, right? Yes. And I think that with grandparents, it's kind of like that. I think sometimes they forget the difficulties of parenting sometimes so that they see their beautiful grandkids and then all of a sudden they just boom. I'm like, come on, you parented me. Because it honestly, like, but when when you see a tired child, a lot of tired children present as party time. And so these kids won't go to bed until like 9, 10 p.m. And then they're in a horrible mood the next day. And the parents are like, I just don't know. I can't, I can't deal with them. Um, and usually it's just a sign they need more sleep, which is great to know because that's an easy fix. Definitely. And some things that affect that sleep is talking about like screen time does actually have a factor in that. I am not ashamed for screen time like I think like what parents have been told about screen time produces this horrible shame especially during this pandemic when like no one could go outside right <gasps> but what I'm talking about though is yeah. the effects of a screen right before bed yeah that's what I'm talking yes. about so like there are actual studies and I think we're all aware of them at this point in time or many of us are aware of them that the actual light from the screen does have an impact on or does have an effect on your brain mm-hmm. tends to wake it up more so the the more of a break you can have between screen time and when your child is expected to relax and go to sleep the Mm -hmm. better because it stops the release of melatonin which is the sleep hormone yes yes so typically what what we suggest is about 30 minutes before bedtime you know more if you can swing it that's awesome but you know about a good 30 minute buffer is enough time for your brain to kind of chill out and be like okay I'm ready for sleep (laughs) yeah and I think these work for adults as well because (laughs) oh my gosh if I was angry or lonely how much would I want someone just to sympathize with me and be like yeah it totally sucks yeah yeah Yeah. Sometimes, you. sometimes with that lonely, You're angry. give me a hug, just yeah. cuddle. Yeah, just, don't don't try to solve my problems for me. Just tell me how much it sucks, and you're there with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these work for adults too. So hopefully you picked up some tips of your own to use. I use so many of these tips with myself. <laughs> I know. I grumpy. know. I have days where I come home and I'm like, I just want a hug. I just need a hug. Yeah. Is somebody <laughs> hug me. And then if my daughter's there, she's like, she looks around and she'll be like, oh crap, it's only me. Oh, all no. right. Here you go. She's 12. It's all right. I, I still get it. She still gives it, but she does legit look around and be like, anybody else? Anybody else? <laughs> Miguel, where you at? No? No? <laughs> Follow me. She looks at the dog, Max. Max, you gotta. <laughs> Mom, there's a dog. He'll give you licks. <laughs> Look. So anyway, oh, the joys. Uh, but now, hopefully, you have some tactics you can try next time and some strategies. Let us know how this worked for you. Can you shoot us an email? Hello at noguiltmom.com. We love getting these emails. And we usually record little videos back to you. So we would love to talk to you. It's hello at noguiltmom.com. Tell us how it worked for you. And until next time, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. 
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.